You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotakizabir. It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue foul shot. Oh my word. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show, and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And on episode 130, I'm joined by Tom Murray. Tom works with Alan March Sport to help provide audio description commentary to those fans that are blind and visually impaired. Uh, and Alan Marchport works with a number of clubs around the Premier League and throughout the English football system uh, to help make sure that everybody has access to the game, uh, even if they can't see it for themselves. So uh, we'll talk to Tom about his role in that um, and how to get that if you need it. Uh, there's a link in the show notes that will help you. Uh, if you want to follow Tom on Twitter, you can get in touch with him at T214Murray or Alan Marchport at Alan Marchport. On Twitter, once again, those links are in the show notes. So in addition to uh, audio description commentary, we'll talk to Tom a little bit about uh, the Women's World Cup, which I have to say, congratulations to the U.S. for, uh, you know, defending their title, uh, becoming four-time champions of the World Cup and could not be more proud of that. Um, thought the whole tournament was great. Thought that there was, there's a lot of promise um, for that and a huge, I think there's a huge improvement um, and some of the funding that women's football has received. And hopefully that continues to grow. And hopefully the interest uh, in women's football continues to be there. Um, there are local clubs. Uh, the Southampton Women's Football Club is one of the clubs that I um, uh, support and have uh, had the pleasure of uh, having players and coaches on this show in the past. And hopefully we'll continue to do that over the course of this season. So in addition to the Women's World Cup, we'll talk about some of the things going on around the Southampton Football Club. Uh, the, the guys return to training this week. Uh, now, as, as you hear this, they are, are off to Austria. Uh, some people have missed the plane or not been invited on the plane or however you want to see it. Um, that list was released after Tom and I finished recording. So um, you'll have to kind of make of it what you will. So if you're listening to this later in the week, um, because it's the transfer season and because things shift from time to time, um, some of the information may be a little bit outdated, but I think you'll find it enjoyable nonetheless. So um, special thanks to Tom once again for joining the show. Special thanks to you for listening. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, uh, you should do that. You can do that in whatever podcast app you choose. There are a bunch of links on SouthamptonDelivery.com to help you. And uh, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, do that. It'll be out Friday. I think you will enjoy that as well. So uh, enough of this. Let's get to my conversation with Tom. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214Murray. And he works with Alan March Sport uh, to bring audio description commentary to St. Mary's for fans that are blind and visually impaired. And most of all, he's just a, a Saints fan. So, Tom, welcome back to the show. And thanks for joining me on this uh, kind of summer evening. 
No, thank you for having me back on. It was a real pleasure to come on last time. And uh, yeah, we're trying to fill up the summer before the season starts. Yeah, it'll be uh, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how things continue to progress. It's been uh, Saints have been busy early on, and now the guys are back training. And uh, I think the football tournaments, kind of uh, the summer tournaments, all kind of come to an end soon. I think, except for maybe the African Cup of Nations, that's going to go on a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, with three finals this weekend, um, if you count the Copa America, the Gold Cup, and uh, the Women's World Cup, it's uh, it's been busy. And then uh, I think it just is kind of keep going to keep going from here. So. Uh, but kind of a lot to talk about, maybe not all directly Saints related, but uh, plenty to to cover uh, this week. Um, but first off, um, thanks for thanks for coming on. And then and then you uh, are there any are there any updates with uh, Alan March Sport for this coming season? Are you guys doing anything different? Or and then for fans who maybe weren't around last time, uh, you know what is what does Alan March Sport do? And then kind of what's your role in that? So Alamite Sport provides audio description commentary at football grounds all over the country. So, for example, they have um, there with the likes of Leicester, Mansfield, Crawley Town and, of course, Southampton, which began the service began last September. They've added uh, Wolves and Cardiff to the uh, to the, the bunch of clubs that they provide this service for. And the service is audio description commentary for the blind and visually impaired fans. And it's for both sets of fans in the ground, home and away, just to make sure that everyone has access to the game that they love. And again, the addition of Wolves is only going to, and Cardiff especially, is only going to improve the uh, the accessibility of the game to to these fans. And uh, those fans of uh, Wolves, especially in the Premier League, go uh, can go to the to Molyneux and uh, get this service as well. So um, I'm part of a four-man team for our Animite Sport in partnership with Southampton, we just provide the audio description commentary for all of the home games. And in terms of are we changing anything? A bit, bit too early to to say. I can say that we will be doing the uh, one home preseason match unless Southampton announce any more. We're definitely going to be doing the preseason game against Cologne. Uh, I think that's the weekend before the season proper actually starts. So that's something I'm really looking forward to uh, for, for that to come round because then you know the season is just so so close and it would be good to uh, take a take a glimpse at the the new signings and maybe how Hasenhutl is going to going to set up for this year yeah and and i mean the the preseason game against cologne is a nice uh, maybe way to test it everything out make sure everything's working again uh, before you guys go into the actual season and um, you know it'll be it'll probably be nice for you to get back on the microphone after having uh, a couple of months off and then going through your uh, your recovery i don't know if if People know it, you know you 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 had a, a procedure, so you're you're kind of hanging out and uh, I'm almost back to full fitness, I think. Yeah, well, almost back to full fitness. Yeah, uh, after the Wolves game in uh, April, it was a planned operation, um, but obviously it sort of took me out of the equation of work and that kind of thing for a few months. So I still have about a month or so left until I can actually physically go back. Uh, to work but I know the recovery is going really well I'm feeling feeling really great and yeah it's almost I've been at home so much I'm getting a bit restless I want to get out there and start doing uh, what I love again I think that's my that's my biggest thing is I can't sit around my my family all knows like I think for about three days I was okay just like not doing a whole lot over summer break and then after that it was like I was starting to get antsy and and they were like okay we got to you got to let you do something or you're going to go nuts or you're going to drive us nuts. And so I'm trying not to do that, but, uh, 
I don't know how successful I'm, I, I've been. So I hope that uh, you continue to progress uh, well and uh, you know, you're, you're, you're ready to go when the season starts and you feel, you feel good. I think that's the most important thing is that you feel good and you're safe. Exactly. And th- thank you very much. I think the one, one thing going back to what you said is um, that really got me was because it involved, well, the operation I had uh, in, was, it was open heart surgery. It was planned. So it was serious. It was serious, but it wasn't a case of, Oh my God, he's going to drop down at any moment and someone, and we're going to get the, we're going to have to get the medics out. Um, it was a, it was a planned operation that just came around quite uh, qu- quicker than expected just for people like just things moving into place to, uh, to cut a long story short. Yeah. And um, the most, the, I, I just felt incredibly useless because obviously I'm not allowed to pick up because uh, they've broken open the sternum. I can't, lift things and i was everyone's like um my partner's been lifting stuff my parents have been doing stuff and it's a case of <laughs> i find i feel really useless i'm standing around thinking i can't actually do any of this so i really want to help but i actually actually can't do it and it, you know they're all going like oh it's fine don't worry but secretly i'm just like i really i feel so bad yeah i had a not i didn't have open heart surgery but i had a procedure on my heart where they went in through my through my leg when i was a sophomore in, in high school so i was about 16 and I just remember it, it cost me a, a football season. And then I basically just had to lay there and it was like, well, you know, that's it. And then like, well, you know, where's your scar? And it's like, I can't show you the scar because it's, you know, it's down, it's down where I'm not allowed to show anybody that at school. And uh, so no, you can't see it. And that that's it. And, and, but I remember the recovery was, was uh, it was just a lot of, you can't do this and you just have to watch yourself and it, it's no fun. So um I don't know. I hope, I hope that all heals up well. And, and man, I can't, yeah. I mean, open heart surgery is, 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 uh, that's it. I mean, that's serious, man. Yeah. It was, a, it was a tough one. And it was actually, I found it quite funny that whilst I was in hospital, the one game that I was able to follow, cause I thought football was coming on on the Saturday. That'll be a nice distraction from, you know, just the, the pain and the stress of going, of being, of being in a hospital. And I thought, Oh, what's the football? Hopefully it'll be, it'll be a good game. And, you know, yeah, football's going to get the heart racing, but hopefully it's not too much. Yeah, that game actually happened to be the three-all draw with Bournemouth. So that, oh, was, a, that was a great one. That was a great <laughs> one to keep the heart rate low. Oh, man. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, one of the guys who scored the goal that kept us up is, uh, is no longer with the team. So, um, man, that, that, that's, uh, yeah. I, well, I, well I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's all going well. And I think once you get back into, uh, into the booth, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be ready to go. So um, oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, so I, I am assuming that one of the things you've been kind of doing to, to keep up or keep yourself busy is, have you been watching the women's world cup or have you been watching any of the other football that's been going on? I have dabbled with the, uh, with the women's world cup. I definitely, uh, the, the only full game that I've actually managed to see so far was the semifinal against the, the U S whilst I've been keeping up with the scores throughout, um, haven't been on holiday for a bit, but the, uh, I did, I thought England played a very good game against the U.S. It just was a case of it wasn't to be the U.S. They did very well and they deserved to be in the final. It was just a case of those last 20 minutes of everything that could go wrong against you pretty much did. And uh, it was, well, when you have the goal ruled out for offside, very it was offside, but only, only by a fraction in my opinion. Then to get the penalty, then to miss it, and then to get the sending off, it was a case of, okay, it's not meant to be. It's not happening today. Yeah. The, when the goal was ruled for us off for offside, I was relieved and I thought, okay, like this is, you know, you, you've had your warning, you should be okay. And then I didn't even, initially I didn't even see, I saw, I saw 
I saw the player go down in the box. I didn't really see any contact because some of the camera angles weren't weren't great. And then you can kind of see it was uh, when they, I don't know, they showed a couple of different angles and you can kind of see the contact and you just went like, oh, this is going to be a penalty. And I just thought, I thought we were in trouble. I thought if, if that goes in, then I, I think England, I'm not sure the U.S. are going to recover from that because I think England were really pressing and, and were being, uh, had been the better team once the U.S. kind of switched and decided to sit super deep. So uh, I was a little worried. Um, then that was just a bad penalty. Uh, goalie man, goal, goalie managed to save it. And from that point, I was not, I was not worried. I thought, I thought that just deflated England a little bit. And I don't know. I think, I think had that game been the final, I think it would have been great. Um, but I don't know. And then, and then of course, England played this morning. We're speaking Saturday uh, evening. So England played today, not this morning, so this morning for me, but not for you. Um, and it's, I don't know. Like they, they didn't. They, they seem like they left it all in the semifinal uh, a little bit today. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, the men's World Cup last year when England played Belgium in the third place playoff, and England just Bel- Belgium had a lot more quality. They seemed to want it a lot more, and for England, it was a case of feeling utterly deflated from the defeat. And I think that that could be the said said the same for for today. I thought England were definitely masters of their own their own downfall and Sweden Sweden just looked like they they wanted it more and I think for England that was a case of you know when when you miss when you have a goal ruled for offside in the semi-final of the World Cup and then you get a penalty after a very very long wait and then only to go and miss it you're kind of you're you're at your lowest really you're feeling pretty deflated and I just thought that a lot of the players didn't really want to be there I can completely understand why because you've just lost you you want to go home once you've lost, you just want to go home and be with your family, and but you know to stay there for another game that realistically is is pretty meaningless. If I'm going to be completely honest, the third place playoff is an, a fixture that you could quite easily cut out of the World Cup for for for, for any competition. Um, so I think yeah, they were just a bit deflated, and you know congratulations to Sweden for them getting third as a massive massive achievement. Yeah, I mean if. Is it is it just a the third place match? Is it just kind of a a waste of time? Just because neither team really wants to be there and wants to play for it, or is it just? I mean, at the Olympics, you know, they give you know you get medals for first, second, and third. Like you have to decide that somehow. I mean, or is it is it just a case of basically everybody everybody really wants to be in the final and this is this is this is just not it. Like who cares? Is that I guess is that the point? Is that how? uh, Is that the feeling? I guess. Yeah, I I would say so because you, when you're in the semi-final, you're always aiming to get to the the final. I mean, once you're in the semi-final, you've actually got a real uh, tangible uh, goal to go for, and you feel like you know if this game, if the semi-final goes well for us, we can we can get to the final, and then in the final, you know, anything can happen to football. Anything, sorry, anything can happen in football, and you know, unless it's Man City against Watford in the FA Cup final, and Man City completely destroy them, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a case of when you get to the final, you've got that opportunity, and all it takes is the other team to make one mistake, one, uh, or you to, you know, get get that one chance. So I think when you've had such a massive game within your reach and you've fallen at, you know, one of one of the final hurdles, you kind of don't really, you know, and and then you're forced to play in a game that in effect has no real trophy. I mean, yes, you got third place, but that's not exactly the World Cup, 
you know, you just don't really want to play it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, I know you were on holiday for a while, but I mean, is the feeling around kind of where you, where you're at? Uh, is there a, is there a noticeable, is there any kind of noticeable difference in, in the way people are talking about football in terms, especially women's football or, or is it kind of just business as usual? I think there was from where I was, it was a lot of it was, um, typical England, you know, say it's the same old England getting so close and then for, and then not quite getting there, especially with the, uh, the world cup last year and that England, all, all the talk of it's coming home and then it didn't. And I think it was, I think the overwhelming feeling there was of pride. The English women team, the Lionesses did really, really well. And they were full of charisma going through that entire tournament. Everyone was wishing them well and thinking, you know, they could go, go that way. I mean, women, and they were a great example uh, for women's football in this country. Again, encouraging more people to go and watch women's football. And I think they did, fan, they, they set a fantastic example in that. And I could, you know, it's only, only for the good of the game. Um, so it was, a, it was a bit of a feeling of pride, of, heart, of hard luck, of, you know, it, it, it's, a re, it's a real shame, but they've, they fought hard and they fought well. Yeah, I mean, for, for us in the U.S., it's the women are, I think, watched more than, than the men in, in some regard, then there's more expected of them. Um, they, they, the, people expect them to, to, to dominate tournaments and to, to beat teams. And anytime you see that they draw or lose, you go like, Oh, they, they must've had a really bad day. Like we, we are kind of that arrogant and our men's team is not that way. I kind of doubt our men's team every time they step on the field and I feel bad saying that, but it's, it's just kind of the way, the way it goes. And, and so for, for, I think for England to come up against the U S in the semifinal, instead of having it be in the final, um, what was a little bit, a little bit rough. And especially, I mean, you look at the route the U S had to take to get to the final. It wasn't necessarily easy. Um, they, they had to beat France. They had to beat then England. And then now they come up against, against the Netherlands. We'll see kind of how it goes. I, I am more of a pessimist, so I don't ever want to just assume we're going to win. Um, but a lot of people around here are pretty confident that we, we can do it. And a lot of the pundits are as well, which probably means we'll wind up with a, a second place, but, um, we can only hope, hope not because I think my, my daughter would be a little bit devastated. She was not happy that England lost today, but, um, that it, it, she'll, she'll be okay if the U S wins tomorrow, I think. So, um, we, we will see, but, um, with, with that tournament drawing to a, a close and, and, and the, the Copa America and the gold cup also ending soon, um, I guess it's kind of you turn your you turn your attention to the preseason and you so you see a, a lot of the guys that were not involved in any kind of uh, Nations League or other tournaments they're all kind of back now uh, at, at, at and training and so um, I mean did you did you pick up on any of the stories from this week is there anything that anybody you were surprised to kind of see back uh, in in the first team kind of gallery for for training not necessarily surprised I think it was a case of they were always going to come back but it was it was quite weird seeing like the bulk of the players coming back to pre-season those who realistically don't have another part to play in the team the likes of Carrillo, Classy, those kind of coming back those who actively want to leave the club and be, to train it's almost it's it's weird you whilst you got the likes of Yoshida you got new signings in there as well it's quite weird seeing half the team half half the players being those that you think okay this is they they've got a role to play this season. And then half the team thinking, well, you you don't want to be here. We're not. We're most likely not going to see you in the team. So, it it was quite weird to have like such a large a, a large amount of players that 
realistically and are going to not be wearing the red and white next season. It will be interesting to see how some of those guys that are are, are back now um, fare over the next couple of weeks, especially knowing that guys like uh, Classy, for instance, like they, they just don't want to be there. And uh, you can see some of the video of them having to run the uh, the beep test and other things, and you can tell like that that'd be the last thing I want to do if I'm 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 at a club that I don't want to be at, and now here I have to do all this kind of physical fitness testing and all this other stuff, just trying to get ready for the season and and knowing that I I definitely want to move. I can't imagine that's very motivating. Um, but hopefully Ralph is uh, able to kind of move them along and, and do all of those, those, those things. But um, there are a couple of people who aren't back. Obviously, uh, Janapo's not there. Uh, Buffal is not there. And, and once again, Ralph hasn't met him before. And um, one thing would be kind of interesting is the kind of dynamics between the guys who are on loan, who haven't met the new coach yet, and uh, all the guys who played there last year. And I think that shows up a little bit in, in how the some of the social media posts that have been going out. Uh, Valerie Obafemi have been very... Uh, much having a good time on social media, whereas I haven't seen anything from some of the other guys, but uh, that doesn't always say everything about them. But um, I guess as, as the preseason progresses, I, I mean, are there, there are people you would be expecting to, to, to leave the club or do you think that, uh, do, do you think that some of these guys that were on alone last time will wind up hanging around, even though they may want to leave? I think it depends on whether Southampton can actually, whether we can actually get rid of them in a way, because some of them are really high wages and maybe we're asking for prices that other teams are not willing to pay. Um, I personally would like to see Buffal given a chance because he, he obviously, like he obviously has the ability It's whether he has the, the application for that. And especially if he has the application to, work really hard under Ralph because if Ralph can actually mold him in a way to suit his style then Buffal will be pretty much like a like a new signing as like as cliche as that sounds he were when we caught glimpses of it under Puel we obviously had the the wonder goal he scored against West Brom where he took it around the entire team under Pellegrino it it really is I'd really like to see him have a chance because I think he can bring that wow factor to the team and if I mean, if if he can get into the side and play with at pace and play with his head up and not take it around everybody all the time, but I think he could fit really well into the system. But at the same time, if Ralph wants to wants to move him on, I think we've got to trust his decision in that uh, he's, he's seen enough of Buffal, therefore, to make that decision that he doesn't want him in his team. He doesn't think he's going to work hard enough. Another player, maybe I'd expect to see the likes of either one or two of Long or Austin to leave. I think Austin would be most likely because I think last season showed that he was he was on the bench quite regularly. I don't think he has the fitness or the pace to actually play in a Hazard Hootel side because if we're basing it on pressing, let's face it, Charlie Austin isn't going to be closing anyone down really, really quickly anytime soon. And if I was going to say any other player, I'd, one player I think I'd definitely expect to leave is Hoot because he was... Pretty catastrophic at the start of the season. And I heard I've I don't have any confirmation on this, but I've heard his attitude kind of isn't isn't brilliant. Uh, there actually one thing I remember from last season is there was a post uh, from the Premier League on Twitter saying congratulations to Jose Perez for scoring a hat trick against Southampton, and that was actually liked by Hoot. So it's a case of whether him being a bit petulant, a bit stupid maybe a mixture of the boat of the two. So I'd expect him to go. I mean, we have a lot of players who I'm struggling to actually feel like, see where they're going to fit in. You've got Harrison Reed coming back. 
and whilst he's got he's like in the past he's had a lot of potential he's coming up to i think like 24 25 and he's gone past one like youth prospect into an actual established squad player like he's in that range where now he's probably at he's not too far off his peak but he's getting there and it's a case of if he hasn't made it into the starting lineup by now if he doesn't have premier league teams after him by now maybe it's a case that he's just we feel he's not good enough so i expect to i expect him to go out on loan again would I think it'd be better for him and maybe for the likes of Gallagher as well to go out permanently because I think it's just not going to work here. Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a fully professional footballer at in, in League One or the championship or anything else. I mean, that's still an extremely high level uh, to, to play at, and life is not the same as it would be for a, a Premier League footballer, of course, but um, that's still a fully professional career and, and something to, to to be proud of. And I think we all just kind of keep looking at Harrison Reed and waiting for him to grow. And I don't think it's going to happen. And, um, I, I've, I've always been pretty impressed with how he's played, honestly. Um, you know, the, the, the glimpses that I've seen of him, of him do it, he seems to be all right. I just don't know if he's better than anybody we have in the middle now. You know, um, I, I, I think that if you look at the formation we're likely to play and you look at the, the people he's likely to compete with, I don't think he gets into the team. And, and so, as you said, you know, maybe it's a case of just like target. Um, this has been great. It just, he does, doesn't quite fit now. Move on, uh, go find first team football somewhere else and, and enjoy your career. And we wish you the best. And I don't think anybody's going to be down on, on, on Reed if you were to go or Gallagher either. I think that, I think you have to do what's right for your career at some point. Um, and, and unless you're on some big wage bill here or wage packet here, um, uh, maybe you, maybe, maybe then you stay because that is what's good for uh, your pocketbook. But I would really hope that they would be looking for, uh, for first team play elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. And I, I wish them all the best. I think, you know, the likes of Reed, the likes of Gallagher, that, that, that surely is their next option because when you've got the, in the positions in the formation that we're going to play, you've got the likes of Ward Prowse, you've got, uh, Hoybier, you've got Romeo, you've got Lamina. Well, that's question marks about him because, I've heard some rumors. I'm not not quite sure what what's going to go on with him. But with you know, you've there's already four players that you'd expect to be ahead of Reed. Well, we're pretty are, are ahead of Reed, and you you know that's excluding possible signings that we might make. And when you're that far down the pecking order, surely you've got to realize that first team football is not really going to be available here. The likes of and with Gallagher too, the signing of Adams, the well, the permanent signing of Ings, whether we're going to get another striker. Well, the, the fact is that there are rumours around that we are hoping to get another striker um, or another attacking player. Surely just, again, pushes him even further down the pecking order. Yeah, I I, I can't see him getting in the first team this season. And um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's, it is probably time for, for him to, to kind of move on. But I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of rumours going on right now and and i kind of hate i hate looking at them because they're always i i think one person puts something out there a lot of times and you don't know if it's the team trying to get uh, or the or the maybe the agent trying to get people to, to to move a player on or it's uh you know trying to stir up interest or whatever it is or create some sort of um some sort of sort of almost panic because he's got one team that's interested and 
and now we want to try to make it look like oh maybe there maybe there are other people so maybe we have to do it now um it's it's all this kind of weird kind of circle that i uh, almost like a circus that i just i just hate um but i mean uh, of all of the things that i that i've seen i mean gallagher going out uh it, it looks like uh maybe to blackburn but also brentford and wigan i think are interested um i mean how much money would it take for you to be to part with gallagher and, and and be happy about it. Would it would it take very much, or would it just be uh, kind of get him out, clear out the squad, and let's let's let Ralph kind of concentrate on other people? I think personally, five million would be. And I know that the market has extortionate prices, but five million to part with Gallagher. I mean, that would be enough for me. Five five or six. I mean, people say that the FIFA target was quite high, seventeen million supposedly, and that, I, I would agree that is quite high for target, but. Comparing Target and Gallagher in terms of like, is there a twelve million pound difference? So I'd say in today's market there probably is because Target has played far more games. He's been definitely a, more of a key player in in the side. He's got a great cross in him, great great deliveries. And whereas Gallagher has, I think he's only got one Premier League goal for us, and that was about five years ago. And yeah, I wish it could have worked with Gallagher. I think he showed early signs of promise, but yeah, I think. Five million, and it's a case now of Ralph wants to work with quite a trimmed squad, quite a, a squad with very few extra players, players that you don't want to. Because if you think about it, it's a balancing game. You want to keep morale high. You want to make sure if you've got a large squad, then you got to work out trying to get everyone having game time. Whereas if he's got, he he obviously wants that really quite compact, quite small squad. So it's a group of key players who know what their positions are, and everyone knows exactly what they're going to do. And it's a case of if someone comes out of the team, someone can go in and replace them and immediately work. Whereas if you're trying to, if you've got people like Gallagher, Classy, Reed on the periphery, it's just not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've I've said it before, but I, you know, I kind of think that some of these guys, you even if you have to get rid of them for kind of you know below market value, almost it it it, it saves you money in the long run just having them off the wage off the wage bill. And being able to focus on the guys that you want to focus on in training, I think all of that, um, I think all that helps. Actually, I think when you when your resources are spread kind of so thin because you're trying to coach and improve so many more players. Because I mean, if these guys stay around, it doesn't mean they just get ignored for the season, right? Like they they you can't just have classy or read in training and just kind of say you guys go over there because you're not actually going to play. You know, just go, just go kick, kick it around over there. That that because then that there's there will be resentment and all kinds of other things. So just having by having them in training and having to focus and and correct them or coach them, you're taking away from the players that are maybe more central uh, and more, uh, I guess, uh, are going to play a bigger role. And I think that that in the long run can can hurt. I mean, there's a there's a reason there are caps on how many kids you can have in a classroom and everything else because after at some point you just are unable to kind of coach and work with the people that you you need to coach and work with and and I, and I worry about that a little bit um, but I also know that we've tied some of these guys to to, to decent wages and it's going to be difficult to uh, to and long contracts I think and that's going to be difficult for some of these players that need to probably step down a level uh, to be able to do that because um, teams down there just can't pay can't pay the wages so. Uh, it, it will be um, it will be interesting, and um, just one one thing before we kind of go on to some of the other um, rumors that are going on is 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 Adams is is officially back. He's in training. Not he's not back, but he's in training now, um, having signed earlier this week. There was one picture where he and uh, Carrillo 
uh, kind of met. I don't know if you saw that on the Saints website, but um, the look on Korea's face is like, well, this is the guy that, uh, you know, they signed for me. Like, it's almost like, well, you just met your replacement or you met your, uh, uh, you know, if you have an ex, you met her new, her new man and that's not great. Um, and so I, I just looked at that and kind of laughed to myself and thought like, man, that must really suck. It's a, it's an awkward kind of meeting. And then you just hope Korea doesn't two foot him during practice. Um, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen, but, um, I don't know. I, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on the, on the Adam signing, uh, in and, in and of itself? I mean, um, obviously we signed on Monday and we talked to Jay a little bit about it last week, but, uh, for you, was that, was that, uh, were you, were you happy with that? I guess. I'm very happy with the signing of Adams. I think he's got a lot of potential. He's incredibly quick for a striker and the signings of Janapo and Adams has given us a lot of pace up front now, which last season, we didn't really have. Yeah, we had Redmond and to an extent long, but we've gone from, in my opinion, one of the slower strike forces to actually one of the quickest now. And I thought that maybe was a little bit of a problem last season where although we managed to break at pace, um, there was still sometimes, maybe with the likes of Austin, maybe with the likes of Long, where we couldn't get forward quick enough. Whereas now we actually have two players who are really going to, it's going to be a rapid turnover of the ball. I'm actually quite looking forward to in the commentary, in the commentary, actually trying to keep up with the counterattacks because with Junepo and Adams suddenly suddenly run off with the ball, it's going to be a case of covering a lot of ground very very quickly. Yeah, and and I think it'll give defenses something else to concentrate on because we didn't really have a, a significant kind of goal threat last year. Uh, dead balls, I think, were okay. Um, you know, direct free kicks. You think of James Ward-Prowse and uh, what he can do there, and then you know, really the only pace we had last year was was Redmond. And you, you think about the fact that you can have three of the four uh, attacking players really running at, at high speed um, on the counterattack coming from uh, an opposition corner, just a, you know, just a, a little bit of, of opposition pressure. Um, I think we could, we could uh, be in a good spot. And I think also the, the pressing will be there because um, all three of those players can really go together and, and cause trouble. And then hopefully uh, we'll have other people joining the attack and being able to put balls away. So, uh, we were looking up uh, s- some of the stats on Adams and, and no headed goals um, at all. So he's not a big threat in the air. And, but I, I also think that that's not, it's just not his game and that's okay. I mean, we have plenty of other, we have plenty of other uh, people who are, who are, you know, who have the height, who can get into the box and, and, and head goals away if they, if they need to. Um, and so we'll worry about that later, but I think having the, the quickness, um, and the ability to kind of move with the ball and move off of the ball uh, and find space and get shots away, I think will be will, will be good. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I, I don't think we're going to find very many people who are who are upset about the signing. Um, I know the price could rise uh, pretty significantly, and there is a sell-on clause, um, but I think I think it's going to be worth it. And I think we just want him to to kind of come in and settle in right away, and 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 you know get on the score sheet, get comfortable, and then kind of continue that because he had a he had quite a run last year of, uh, of goals. And, um, I listened to, uh, the, in that number podcast and they were talking to, uh, some Birmingham, uh, fans, uh, they run Birmingham fan TV and, and they said, you know, he, he they, they were, they're going to miss him. Um, but he had a really good partnership with, uh, one of the other guys they had on the team. So, um, hopefully he finds that partnership, whether it's with Ings or whether it's with Redmond. Um, I don't much care. I just want him to find it and, and get comfortable in, in, in the squad. Exactly. And he's one of those players who I believe, yeah, we've signed, exciting strikers in the past for relatively big money who haven't actually hit the heights that we expected them to. Obviously, 
in the past, Osvaldo, who turned out to be a bit of a nutcase, and then uh, a bit a bit unfair on Korea. He was brought in by Pellegrino as sort of like his man, his man to turn it around, and it just backfired horrifically. Um, but with Che Adams, one thing I actually really liked about I don't know if you've seen the video of his goals from last season. He sen- he tends to catch a lot of the keepers out by shooting early and getting them in the corners. And whilst the shots look pretty scuffed or a poor connection, they've still gone in. And whilst in the Premier League, you might not get away with that as much because keepers are going to be far, uh, far quicker. The pace of the game is a lot quicker. Um, one talk, I think he will work very well in the pressing because some of the, uh, quite a lot of the goals were him uh, causing problems in the defence just purely from closing down and... Um, a lot, uh, whilst he had a really good partnership with the other striker at Birmingham, I think it was Jutkovic, he, uh, he managed to make a lot of the goals himself. And yeah. whilst, he isn't, whilst he isn't strong in the air, well, 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 we, don't, we, don't know, we don't know that for sure, but whilst the record says he doesn't score uh, many headed goals, if, if any, he seems to have a real physicality about him to bully defenders. And if you can mix str- strength with a lot of pace and an eye for getting a quick shot away. I mean, if we can, you know, mould the team really well and get the uh, formation and the tactics right, that that we could cause loads of defences in the Premier League real nightmares. Yeah, uh, I think uh, going back to the, the point you made about some of the, the, the finishes, they weren't the cleanest of all time, um, some of them. And, and I think that with some experience and with, you know, some, some more practice and just kind of growing up a little bit and, and realizing that you got to be a little bit better than that to uh, to get it to go in in the Premier League, I think he'll I think he'll grow into it, and he's got a lot of time to do that. So um, I was a little worried, kind of watching that stuff too. But uh, I think I think we'll have to be kind of patient with him in, in that regard. But um, like you said, a lot of the a lot of the goals were him doing things himself, whether it was it was turning defenders or whether it was it was it was closing down and just applying pressure and causing mistakes. And you wonder, you know, if if center backs in the Premier League will make as many mistakes, if they, if they will feel that pressure or if they will kind of just be more comfortable on the ball. Um, so we'll have to kind of kind of see how that goes. But I, I think it will be, I, I think one thing that that the team is definitely going to be this year is is more exciting than it has been in the past kind of maybe three or four. And I think that's, I think that in and of itself is important. I think that will get more people, um, not just in the stadium, but engaged in what's happening on the pitch and and therefore supporting the team because the, the excitement levels will be up. The it, it, it's clear when you do that kind of stuff that you are trying. And sometimes the fans we accuse players of not, of not trying hard enough. I'm not having. I'm not being committed. And I think if you look at the players that are, are being brought in right now, that there is definitely that that commitment is not. It's not a question. It's not an issue. So I think with that said, I think we'll be. I think we'll be okay uh, in terms of having fan support for the guys, even if they don't score goals right away. Uh, maybe even if we if we drop a few games here and there early on, I think I think people will be pretty uh, pretty pretty happy with the, the way the team is going to go about playing, and and I think that'll be a nice turnaround for from how it's been recently. Yeah, with how it's been recently, um, the past couple of seasons, the football hasn't been hasn't been brilliant, and obviously we've been around the relegation zone and under Powell, the football wasn't exactly thrilling although we were getting much better results than we than we were i think there's a lot to be excited for next season i think relegation i mean this could come back to bite me and it might be completely wrong but i think relegation won't be an issue next season maybe maybe towards the start we might feel a bit as as you say we might uh 
have a, a bit of a rough patch. It is quite a tough beginning, especially that run of home games against the large teams that maybe we won't pick up a lot of points at home and therefore we've got to get them away um, very early on, the likes of Brighton, Sheffield United. But I think that there's a lot... The football is going to be exciting next season and if we can continue in the transfer market like we have done so far, the, the team is going to be one that is going to get fans you know, off... Um, off their seats there's going to be a lot of flair in there there's going to be a lot of pace and it reminds me slightly of the season of Pochettino's first season like the feeling about it because obviously similar to Ralph came through midway through the season whilst we weren't in such a bad situation when Pochettino replaced Adkins it was the case of like he instantly brought in the pressing football the football immediately made the fans like look up and be really engaged with the team because it was like, we haven't seen the style of play before. This is really exciting. Teams don't really know how to play against it. We've had that half season with Hasenhutl and now we've got this summer of him building the team that he wants to. And it kind of feels like just before that full Pochettino season where it's a case of this could really be quite exciting. Yeah. I, I think we're all, I think we're all ready for it. And I think the, the things you point out, the, the flair and the pace and um, the, the kind of high pressure. I think, I mean, when you turn on a game and it's, and it's, I mean, think back to a couple of seasons, think of Hull a couple of seasons ago or Burnley a couple of seasons ago. Like nobody wants to watch that. That's not, that's not, that's not the, the game where if you have a choice to watch any game in the Premier League that you're going to turn that on. And I think that when I started watching the team, it was in that kind of first full season under Pochettino and like the games were exciting. And then you followed up with Kuman, and those games were exciting. And 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 then you watch over the past couple of years, and I think that that maybe the new draw, like the, a lot of Americans probably, and I'm speaking for I, maybe I, I shouldn't do this, but I think like you take a lot of Americans, a lot of people who come from uh, outside of England and outside of Southampton, and they're if they're if they're given the choice of having all 20 teams because the, a lot of us don't have uh, I don't have any heritage that links me to Southampton necessarily. Um, but you, you have a choice and nobody who's watched this over the past three seasons is going to go like, yeah, that's my team. Like nobody wants that. Um, and so I think you have to do something a little bit to, to, to be exciting. I think these, these signings, even if, even if people who are just getting into it, maybe won't know them and that's fine. But I think once they see them play on the pitch and see how we go about it, I think that'll, that, they'll kind of speak for themselves. So, uh, I am excited uh, about that, but um, let's run through some of these other uh, these other players here, and I'll just ask you if you think they will be at St. Mary's on opening day or not. Um, granted, we still have you know about a month left to the transfer window, um, but we have you know we have we have rumors and we have whatever, and we know we need to get rid of players, but we'll 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 see. So uh, we talked a little bit about it, but Sam Gallagher, do you think he'll be here or do you think he'll be permanently gone? So on, either here or on loan is is I'm going to count that as here because he's still ours. Um, that you think he's going to be sold or he's going to be a, a Southampton player on opening day? I think he will be, I don't think he'll be ours by the end of the transfer window. Yeah, I think, I think he'll be gone. That's because I, I think the wages there are probably enough and he's, he's probably young enough to want to go play somewhere and not just be worried about uh, settling down and, and tying up uh, wages for the rest of his contract. Um, Jack Stevens. That's a difficult one because I think, it depends if we can sign, if we sign another centre-back, I don't think well, he'll be here because I think he'll move further down the pecking order. Um, I just uh, can't see him being above Yoshida or Vestergaard or Bednarik. I think Bednarik is definitely first choice at the moment. 
So I reckon if we sign another centre-back, Stevens will be gone. If we don't sign another centre-back, which, quite frankly, would maybe put the whole transfer window in a bit of jeopardy, um, uh, then I think he'll still be at Southampton. Okay. Um, Charlie Austin. I think he'll be gone. I think uh, he will go to one of the newly promoted Premier League sides. Yeah, he seems to be wanted by quite a few. And um, I was talking uh, online uh, on Twitter to uh, one of the listeners, um, Hamilton, Tyler. And, you know, he kind of laid out some reasons. You know, Austin is not, Austin's got a bad kind of relationship with a lot of the fans, at least the louder fans on Twitter. Um, you know, it, it didn't, he didn't help himself at all. Uh, on uh, on Champions League final day, uh, when he you know posted a picture of himself uh, in a Firmino kit um, or a Firmino shirt, and and you know I don't know I we all make mistakes, and some people are are less mature than others, and some people enjoy arguing with people, and so I don't I don't know how much you can read into to how his actions online and and kind of how he should be treated that way, but. Um, if I just broke it down to, I mean, he's a great goal scorer, but if I just broke it down to the, just the style of play, I don't think he quite fits what Hassan Hoodle is looking for. And you, you don't change body type at, at his age. I don't think you don't suddenly become a brand new player. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you were to go um, and be good somewhere else. You know, my brother is a QPR fan. He loves him. Um, he was super happy when we got him and uh, he really, really wants uh, him to, to do well. And I just kind of look at him all the time and say, he's not, he's not doing well. Um, this, is, this is not a great relationship, but we'll have to kind of see how that goes. Um, I, I doubt he's here. I think he's, if, if you're going to get rid of a, a striker, and especially if you look at how top-heavy the SWAT is now, I think he's the one who probably has to go. Um, yeah, I think if it was a choice between him and Long, I'd keep Shane Long, because I think at, at least Long offers quite a bit of, pace and the willingness to chase down lost causes really i mean that's how he got that record goal against watford pretty much so yeah. well and, and i also think that um you probably get more money for austin in the market than you will for shane long and so we'll take it because i think i think you take the, the idea that long actually fits the system plus uh austin is probably somehow more valuable than long in in, in the open market um so so see ya you know i and i think yeah yeah go go um, Mario Lamina, there was reports that, uh, were listening to offers, uh, no loans, but were open to offers for him. Um, I guess one, do you believe that in the first place? Uh, I think I, 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 w- I believe the line about we're thinking of permanent instead of loan. Cause I think this is very much a summer of change. And if players, if I think it's very much a case of if players are going to go, we want to get rid of them permanently. Because if, I mean, if they're, if they're going, if they're going, it's obviously that we don't see them in the plans for this season. And if they are, um, unless they were quite a young person like Alfie Jones going out to Gillingham and they're more of a senior player like Lamina, you're thinking, okay, you're not going to actually play a part in the side, go permanently. So, whereas Jones in the future might have a part to play. So therefore you want him to go out, get that experience and then come back. Whereas Lamina obviously is older and it just hasn't worked out for him. I think it depends on, I think it depends again on the market. If we sign another centre mid, then I think he'll go. But again, it's, it's if the right offer comes in for him. And I don't know who actually would be willing to, to, to pay his transfer fee at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's, I mean, once again, large wages, um, decent contract. It's, it, you'd have to come in and, and really make it count. 
And uh, I don't know. I think he'd be willing to leave probably, even though he seems to kind of enjoy himself. I think um, he he wants to be somewhere where he's going to play probably a little bit more than he does here. And uh, I don't know. I I, I can see him leaving uh, without much question. Um, but I also think he's a really good player. And I think that on his day, he's, he's, you know, probably one of the best midfielders we have, uh, but his day does not come very often. I don't think, um, uh, reports that we're listening to the offers again on either McCarthy or Forrester. Um, can you see either one of those two moving on? And I I'd say for me personally, I think it's more likely to be McCarthy. Um, I think Forrester's wages are just uh, a big, a bit prohibitive of him moving. Um, I think teams are going to be afraid to pay those wages for a guy who hasn't played very much um, in the past year and a half. And I think that McCarthy was almost unlucky to to lose a spot out to Angus Gunn, but uh, I don't see him really being able to come back and get, get that spot back. And I think his wages are, I think he's decent enough. I mean, he was just in the England squad not very long ago. And I think he's, he, he he's decent enough to be able to, uh, to go somewhere and at least challenge for, for the number one shirt where I'm not sure he's going to get that chance here. Yeah. I think when we signed gun, I think it was, uh, my opinion was, although McCarthy is number one gun is going to be playing regularly by the end of the season. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think McCarthy is definitely the more, as you say, with like wages, he's definitely the more sellable asset as it were. I'm not sure if that's a word, but, uh, but he he he's the one that's probably easier to shift. Whereas with Forster, whilst I think out of those two, I would get rid of Forster first, just because he's not really offering anything to the team. I mean, well, he isn't. He's not playing. He's not really getting a look in. Yes, he got that one appearance against West Ham last season, but that was a that was a game where it was just trying to play a few of the players that hadn't played a lot this season that that season, and. So my opinion would be I'd rather Forster went purely just to shift the wages, but I think of more likely and probably a better chance of going was McCarthy. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, I have to agree with you there. Um, a couple more things and then we'll get to uh, some, some listener questions here. Um, just kind of, I mean, we haven't really had a, a big theme of the show this week. There's been nothing to kind of focus on. So I, I think we've done a decent job of kind of rounding up some of the, uh, the ideas that are out there. Um, before we kind of get away from the transfer rumor stuff, is there is there anything else that you've heard maybe that I that we we didn't cover that you'd like to to make sure we a player or so we'd like to make sure we discuss? I think that whilst the transfer window is going really well, I mentioned I mentioned it a little bit uh, a moment ago with the players going out, but the with Jack Stevens. But as well as the transfer window is going, a lot of hard work I think would be undone if we didn't sign another centre back. I mean, it's early days. And it's more likely than not with the centre-back being, I think, I think it's been rumoured that the centre-back position is our next priority in terms of we signed Janapo, Adam, we then went after Adams to get our top, a top striker target. We're now moving on to the, the, uh, the centre-back. But I think defence last season was, even under Hasenhutl, we were still conceding too many goals and letting good, good leads, good two-goal two, two leads slip. So... I think a lot of good hard work would maybe undone if we weren't to sign a centre-back, purely just because otherwise the tactic next season is going to be hoping that we can outscore the opposition. Because with our... I, I just think that's, that area really does need to improve. And whilst Saints have been brilliant so far in the transfer window, getting two top targets and especially getting Che Adams, who I think is going to bring a lot to the side, um, that the centre-back position is definitely one that needs to be um, seen to before the season starts. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it is going to be a position that we have to focus on. And I think a, a lot of the rumors of, of people coming in, there's rumors of uh, us looking at uh, Pontus Jansen as as a potential uh, a center back signing. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of those over the next couple of uh, of weeks. And I think we do need to to probably make a defensive signing, and that probably means clearing out at least one uh, center back, and that being probably Jack Stevens. Uh, and uh, Hoot, I guess too, as well. So uh, maybe maybe two of them uh, to to get one in, and and I think that'll be that'll be uh, pretty good. But um, we were talking a little bit earlier about you know this this season. There there seems to be teams um, making moves. Some of the teams that were were decent last year that surprised some people. You think of teams like Wolves, who played pretty well. Uh, you look at what Watford did. Um, you expect, I guess, you'd probably expect Everton to be a little bit uh, better than they were, I guess, last year. Uh, Leicester as well. But, um, I mean, do you see this season being one of those seasons where maybe, whether it's Man United, uh, kind of looks like they have to go through a bit of a rebuilding process, or maybe Arsenal, that they that they miss out on the top six completely, not just the top four, but they fall out of the top six, and we see maybe a couple of other teams uh, challenge for those spots? I think this is... A good good as opportunity as there has been since Leicester won the Premier League for another side to not necessarily win the league because with, when you've got Liverpool and Manchester City as strong as they are making good signings, especially Man City, I think, broke their transfer transfer record signing Rodri, who's only going to make their centre midfield even more of a wall to try and break through. Uh, those two teams, I think it's definitely a, a, a time that one of the lesser teams can actually break into the top four or the, the top six. Leicester are a very good one to look at. I know they, in my opinion, have overspent on a Jose Perez. Still a good player, but 30, yeah. million for, 30 million for him is definitely one that just takes... Uh, I was a bit taken aback by because I thought years ago, 30 million would have got you you know, a really good quality, quality signing. And now 30 million... Is getting you a Jose Perez, not knocking him. I think he, for for a side like Newcastle, even for a side like us, he would be a decent striker. And he's actually he got certainly something about him. He's quite an annoyance to teams in terms of like his pace and his tricky and, yeah. and like his finishing ability. But twenty, but thirty million. I mean, I I had a conversation with someone on Twitter earlier. Like I put a post out saying how thirty million was just too much, and someone said, I think it was a Leicester fan saying that we just spent. How could, how could I talk when we just spent 20 million on Danny Ings? And I'd say, you know, 20 million is a lot of money. And I'd say Danny Ings and Jose Perez are pretty similarly uh, similar ability. They both, I think, got similar amounts of goals recently. Yes, Danny Ings has had less of the season to actually play due to injury. But um, if I rank them with similar ability, I still wouldn't buy Danny Ings for 30 million. I'd see that as grossly overpaying for him. But another signing that Leicester seemed close to making, just going back to the point, is um, the player they had on loan last season, uh, Tielemans, who I think is a really, really good player. And, you know, with the likes of Vardy, with Tielemans, with, and if they sell Harry Maguire, they then have 80, 90-odd million to play within the transfer market. I think Leicester could, well, do another Leicester in terms of actually finishing quite high in the table. Wolves, I don't think as much as like, they'll do as well as last season purely because they've got European football to contend with. And we saw with Burnley last season that even though the season before they played out of their skins and did really, really well, I think it was the best away form uh, out of a lot of the bigger teams. 
yet last season they completely crumbled and almost were relegated until the final few weeks it looked like they could actually go down. I think Wolves are better equipped for Europe, but I just don't think they're going to finish as high as they did. And as you say, Everton, you'd expect with their manager and expect with the players that they, they have to... They seem to start the season really well and then just fall apart, fall away and like like Arsenal do, or at least how they used to do. But I think there's definitely an opportunity for, especially with Manchester United having a bit of a rebuild, fans not completely agreeing with the way the club's going, with the amount of money that they're not spending, Paul Pogba wanting to leave. The players that they have brought in, Daniel James, think he's a good player. Um, whether he's going to make the step up to the Premier League, who knows? And... Um, whether they, they could fall even further down. I mean, Ollie seems, this, the whole thing, Ollie's at the wheel. Yeah, he, he might be at the wheel, but it's kind of veering off the track at the moment because it's not going as well as originally thought. I mean, he started brilliantly, but it's obviously tailed off. So, yeah, I think there is a real opportunity for one of the Leicesters, the Wolves. I mean, who knows, even us, if the, if the transfer window and Hasenhutl really, really gets it to click, uh, could, could capitalise on that. And... Uh, I think it's going to be quite an exciting. I think it's going to be more of a a level season in terms of the um, the ability wise of the teams is going to be quite similar, especially in the top half. Yeah, yeah, I I think uh, I think that there is the potential there, especially like with some of these clubs that are that are needing to to rebuild and needing to uh, kind of sort themselves out a little bit. I think uh, there is the ch- the chance there, but I think it's going to take a, a team like Leicester or something having a really good season to be able to do it. You know, um, you, you look at the season, they won the premier league and, and they, they wouldn't have even been close this, this season or last season, I don't think. And, and so it, it takes a kind of a bunch of factors have to come together. They, they're going to have to have a really good season. And uh, one of the other teams is going to have to falter a little bit, but it, I, I think the potential is there and um, it'll be interesting to watch. And I think overall, if that happens, it just makes everything a little bit more competitive. It makes it, um, it, it means that there are more teams out there that, um, you know that you can beat, and that people will be looking and hoping to 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 go and knock off Man United. I think that'll be a that'll be a a big thing, a big uh, it'll mean a lot to a lot of players that are coming up and 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 getting into the first team and, and around the, around the league. So I think that will be uh, that'll be pretty good. Um, with, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into some listener questions. Uh, you can submit your questions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, or. If you're a patron of the show, you can get that. Uh, you can submit that on Patreon.com or via the group Discord. And um, one of the things that patrons get, they get access to a member-only chat. They get priority for having their questions answered on the show, and they get a bonus podcast per uh, month. So um, we'll get to a patron question in just a little bit. But first, uh, we have one that comes in from Instagram, uh, and it's from the Edster Seven. He says. Uh, what do you think about Che Adams? Or what do you think about what Che Adams has to say about Southampton winning at the Premier League? So this comes kind of goes back to what we kind of just talked about. Um, difficult to see with with Manchester City and Liverpool being so good, but um, I mean, I don't know if you heard the comments. Uh, people have been kind of making fun of him a little bit online, but uh, what what do you make of of what he said? I like his ambition. Uh, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather him say that kind of thing than be well. You know, hopefully we'll be doing okay in the league it's, uh, it shows it, it, you've got to have a goal yes he set his really quite quite high but I, I like that in him it shows that he's well he, mes- he may not necessarily completely believe in it he's uh, um, or, or he might do but <laughs> it, 
who, who knows? But it shows that he's definitely someone who really, really wants to win. He wants to score goals and try. A way to break it down is it's a guy who wants to win every game. Yeah. You know, obviously, you, if you win every game, you are most likely going to win the league. So it's a guy who obviously is going to go into every game. You wouldn't want a player in your team that doesn't want to win every game. I mean, even if it's Manchester City or Liverpool away, you don't go into the game thinking, well, we're definitely not going to win this game. You want to go into it with high with high expectations. You want to go in and think, yeah, if we play well, we can get something from it. It's going to be difficult, but we, but, but we can get that. And I, I like that about him. I think, yes, it's an easy statement to poke fun at considering what's happened to Southampton in the past few years. But no, good on him. Good on him. It's uh, he could he, he could easily have the Mickey taken out of him, but he said it, and uh, I like I like that. It, it it shows good ambition. Yeah, well, for me, it's like there there are a couple of ways to look at it. Now, a lot of the people making fun of him are not Southampton fans, and so for for those people, you know, Che Adams doesn't have to play in front of those guys every single week. You know, uh, for the most part, we most of the Southampton fans want him to say stuff like this. Maybe not win the league, but we want him to show that ambition and show that he's going to be here and this is what he's working towards and we can all get behind that. And so for us, I think that even if, even if people were making fun of him, I think he's won some of us over right away, you know, because he's, he's showing that what well, you said, he's going to go out and play um, every match uh, is the best he can and try to win every game. And he wants, he goes in every game wanting to win. And that's exactly what you want under your players. Um, I don't really think he can say anything else. You know, he can say, even if you say like, oh, you know, we want to challenge to be a top half team, like that's that's still kind of leaving the bar a little bit low. And I mean, you you got to set some goals maybe a little bit higher than that. And maybe there are going to be some steps that you have to take to get there. But um, I don't know. I, I don't mind it so much, um, even if I, I think maybe uh, it's a little strong. And, and you wonder, uh, you know, exactly. You wonder why the question was asked in the first place, you know. Um, as the, it came from the, I think it came from the team's own media guy. Like you're, you're putting the, the new player in a bad spot by, by asking that question, I think. And, and maybe you just avoid it altogether because otherwise you get into it to something, you know, like this, but, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I think it might've actually come from a question where you just asked, you know, what made you choose yeah. Southampton? And then he goes off with that, but I, I don't, yeah. I, I can't exactly remember, but anyway, um, so, well, so all I can say is that, uh, the those who are who are laughing are going to be looking pretty stupid when he scores a hat trick on the last day to win the Premier League. But that's just me being wishful that's right. thinking. That's right. I think, I think totally possible. Um, although, and we do have a fairly favorable uh, end of season uh, home match again. But uh, we all saw that happen. How that wound up last year. Um, a saint in London was one of the patrons of the show. Uh, submitted this question on Twitter. It says, considering the recent transfers in and out, what will Ralph's starting 11 look like uh, come the new season? So uh, if you if you had a starting 11 to pick right now for Southampton, who who would it be? Uh, my starting 11, I have Gunn in goal. Uh, I'd have the, uh, I think he will go, I think he will start with the back four because uh, last season, the back five was very much a case of we're, Look, if we don't shore up the defence, we're gonna we're gonna get relegated. That's um, that that's gonna happen. So new season, he can start with his his formation that he wants to go with. So back four, Valerie on the right, Bertrand on the left, and I then have Bednarik and Vestergaard in centre. Assuming again that we don't sign a centre back, just going on current transfers. Now the uh, the two 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 ahead is going to be quite difficult because as you said, we're very top heavy, and there's a lot of players, good players that are going to miss out. And let's say for the two holding midfielders, you've got to have Hoiberg in there. And 
I want to put Ward Prowse in there as well, but you just don't know if that's going to be too too weak in like the strength isn't going to be there. So maybe I'd go with Ward Prowse and then the two attacking midfielders. I'd have Redmond and possibly Armstrong. No, no, no. So it's why Armstrong, Gineppo. And uh, for, almost forgot about him for a minute because again Armstrong, another good attacking midfield player that we just can't actually fit in in the side at the moment. And then I'd have a top two of uh, Adams and Ings, I think, to start off with. Whether it works, we don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, that, yeah, that would be my starting eleven. All right, I'm going to go slightly, slightly different um, because I, I am a, a little bit worried about the 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 you know the, the midfield a little bit. So I think I think the back four is going to be there. Um, I think it'll be Vestergaard and Bednarak, Valerie, Bertrand, Gunn, uh, and Golan. I know I'm just going all out of order here, but that's whatever. Um, you get to the two-two-two uh, aspect of it. I think I think what'll happen is it will be, I think it'll be Hoiberg and Romeu starting, with with Redmond and JWP just ahead, meaning that I think Janepo misses out on the start. Um, up top you have Ings and. Adams knowing that Ings is not going to play the full 90. And so Redmond will shift to the top to play with Adams for the second or the last 30 minutes. And Janapo will come in on, on the left, probably completely wrong, but I, that's what I would do if we were, if we were to choose it right now. Um, ideally I'd probably want another center back though. So um, this, this, this brings us to our last question. Um, it's from James Willis. He's at James Willis 86 on, on Twitter. And he says, who scores more goals as a front two? Uh, Redmond and Adams, Ings and Adams, Austin and Adams, Long and Adams, Long and Ings, Long and Redmond, Obafemi and Adams, Obafemi and Ings, Obafemi and Long, Obafemi and Austin, I think. Does he have Austin on here? He does. There are some combinations I'm sure that are not there, but I, I think it's easiest to strike off a couple of these as being the ones that are going to be the least likely to score goals. Um, and for me, that would be long and Austin as a, as a partnership will probably not get there this year. Cause I don't think Austin's going to play. Um, I can't see Obafemi getting a lot, but, but, uh, up top, who do you think, who do you think winds up being the best kind of strike partnership that we're, we're going to have this season? Well, I agree with you with the fact that we can strike up a few names, Austin long Obafemi to extend. I think Obafemi, this is a big season for him. He could, um, cause he has a real chance of, you know, breaking into the, the side, especially if we continue to, if we do get rid of, the, the some of the strikers that we're, we're no longer going to need. But I think it's, I'm going to assume that Adams is going to start most of the games. I think he is, it's going to who partners him. And I'm, I still, I think Redmond will be playing behind the strikers in those two attacking midfield positions most of the time. So I'm going to have to go with Ings and that's all, that all does depend on how fit Ings can stay. But well, one thing when we, looked at the video of Adam scoring. He worked well with players like Jutkiewicz. And I think Ings doesn't have quite the pace that he does anymore, but he has a good amount of strength to hold up the ball. And I think we saw, especially against the Wolves game, uh, against Wolves at the, towards the end of last season, where Ings was actually pulling the strings and setting up a lot of chances for Sims and Redmond. And playing in a deeper role, he actually fed the striker and the attacking players really well. So I think that could work really well with Adams getting in behind innings, playing the through balls to him. Absolutely. And playing balls to, to you know, if, if we're in a little bit of trouble and we, he's having to drop deep, hold the ball up and turn and let Adams run off of him, I think that's 
I think that's a pretty good place to be. And I think that, that if you think back to some of those goals that Adam scored, a lot of them were him against a defender or two. Um, and it's just beat, beat the defender, put a shot in. And that's, that's what he, that's what he'll have to do. And, uh, I think that, I think that sets up well. So, um, if we're, if we're talking just as a front two, I think it has to be Ings and Adams probably, uh, simply because I think Redmond will play, like you said, more behind, um, maybe, maybe a slightly more free role, but uh, I, I don't, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, and I, I do expect actually, I do expect Redmond to score plenty this, this season. I do, but I think as a, as a front two, it'll have to be, it'll have to be Ings and, and Ings and Adams. And if not, I think we're in trouble. Um, but anyway. Uh, that 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 does it for the questions for this week, and we've talked about transfer rumors. We've talked about uh, you know a little bit about the the World Cup and and everything else. But um, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to highlight before we kind of uh, call it a day? I'd say that just to remind anyone who may have missed it, uh, if you do know anyone who is interested in uh, who's blind or visually impaired and does want to. Uh, go to the games is maybe stop go, stop going to the games because they can't see or they don't find that they have good access we do have the audio description service it will be, be it will be provided going on to this season and if you it will be provided at the preseason game against Cologne so if you on another occasion wouldn't have gone to preseason because you didn't think the access the accessibility was there then it, it, it will be there and uh, I'm very much excited for the season to start and providing the service. Yeah. And, and maybe for if, if it's somebody who doesn't, uh, who doesn't currently have a season ticket or doesn't currently go to a lot of matches and they, they've never used it before and never tried it. And maybe the preseason match is a good, a good chance to, to, to test it out and see if it's something you're, you're interested in or something that works for, it makes your, it make, enhances your match day experience, I guess. Exactly. And it's all about providing the service for, for, for these for these fans and it's it's really like humbling it's a privilege to provide it and knowing that they're getting the enjoyment out of football the set going to to uh going to the matches and having uh the same experience pretty much as 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 other fans in terms of they can keep up to with the game as fast as anyone else and uh they don't they don't miss anything really yeah yeah i think that's what it's all about so uh well uh, once again thank you uh for, for coming on Tom, and thank you for, you know, for volunteering your time to work with Alan March Sport and provide that service. I think it's, uh, it's great. And um, I don't know, I enjoy, ta- enjoy, enjoy chatting with you. I wish we maybe had something a little more concrete to kind of sink our teeth into, but I think, uh, you know, it is what it is. And it's just the way that kind of the, the off season goes. Yeah, exactly. The summer, it's a case of, no, you, you never wish to, you never want to wish time away, but it's a case of, especially this summer with the transfer window, with things being so positive, about Southampton it's kind of you want the season to start even if it's just the preseason friendlies you want to go out and actually have a look at how the team has progressed and get excited about how Hassan Hoodle has got them to play because one thing he didn't have last season was time to work with the players it was very much uh, okay we've got a week to prepare for I don't know we've got a week to prepare prepare for Everton to prepare for Cardiff so you can only sort of um, coach them as well as you can during the week in that short space of time. Now he's got the he's got the whole summer to completely hone his style, and the players, the ones that are going to be there, the ones who want to be there, seem to be really excited about that prospect of working with him. And you know, if he can bring his own players in, then and to, that suit his style because obviously last season it was very much a work with what you have, but now. The excitement about this season, it, I'm really, really buzzing to get back there. I, I, there's a really good 
a, um, a really good vibe about the place and, you know, bring on Burnley on the opening day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we, we, we can, I guess, get a little bit excited. We have, I mean, all, I guess only one week until preseason matches actually start. I mean, we're not sure what that'll look like or who will play, but I'll be interested to see kind of what the lineup looks like going in uh, when they go over and play uh, all touch. So uh, that'll be, that'll be good, but that's next Sunday, I believe. And uh, yeah, I mean, with every, with every, with every show the the season just gets a little bit, a little bit closer. I have my schedule up here and um, you know, not, not that many more shows before the season starts. So uh, we're just, just hoping it comes. I mean, uh, the sad thing is I'll be back in school before this actual season starts, which is uh, heartbreaking. Uh, knowing that my summer will be over before before football kicks off, but that's okay. I won't complain. Anyway, um, well, Tom, thank you so much. If people want to follow you, they can do that at T two one four Murray on Twitter, and they can also follow Alan March Sport at Alan March Sport, and both of those links are in the show notes. And um, yeah, uh, thank you so much for for doing this, and uh, thank you for contributing to the newsletter a while back as well. I appreciate that. And uh, I invite you to do that whenever you, whenever the the mood strikes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me me on again. It's all it's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed the first time I came on, and uh, say same again for for today. And I hope certainly that this won't be the last the last show, and we can talk during next season, and to hopefully be discussing a a, a very good result. Yeah, absolutely. I, I look forward to it. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214Murray. You can get in touch with Alan March Sport at Alan March Sport. And if you or someone you love uh, could use or make use of the audio description commentary, be sure to get in touch. There's a link in the show notes that will allow you to get in touch with the proper people at the club to make sure you secure a headset so that you and your loved ones can enjoy the football on the pitch. Uh, through the audio description commentary provided by Alan March Sport and the club. If you want to get in touch with this show on social media, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram. We are at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. We're also at Facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You get links to all of those at SouthamptonDelivery.com, where in addition to that, there are links to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can also sign up for the newsletter, which will be out on Friday. Uh, hopefully, you are enjoying that as well. The show would not be possible without the help of two specific partner pages. Uh, Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram does the logo for the show. Special thanks to Matt for being such a huge help from day one. Um, the official partner page of the show, though, is the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for all your Southampton FC news and needs, whether it's the transfer window or the regular season, uh, make sure you're following them. They will keep you up to date on everything that is happening around the club. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the intro show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pontington Bear. We'll be back next week with another episode of the show, and we'll be back on Friday with another edition of the newsletter. Thanks for listening, and until then, remember that together, we march on.